Thank you, thank you, thank you. What's up, ACC? Good to be here. What's up, Birmingham? I'm hoping to get a bigger what's up shout out from y'all. Hope you're doing good. Huntsville. Any Atlanta people in the house? Any Atlanta folks? Awesome. Uh, Purcell Farms, I'd just like to let you know I'm available to preach any Sunday, any Tuesday, any time you need. My people at Lake Martin, that's one of the greatest places on earth. And here in Auburn, Alabama, where the church is alive, where Jesus is on the move, where the Holy Spirit is at work. I'm so grateful. I want to give us a quick shout out to the amazing team uh, that is here. And if we haven't met before, I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful. Miles, thank you for that introduction. I'm humbled. Puts a lot of pressure on me today, but thankfully I'm not coming in my own ability. Amen. But we come in the name and the power of Jesus. But what God is doing here is incredible. And that's not even a good enough word for it. It's supernatural. And if you're new here, man, you made a good decision to show up and be a part of this journey. And if you haven't been around for very long, you're like, well, everybody feels like they're in the flow and responsible. Well, it's a good day for you to step in. But this team is led by godly and humble men and women. And that is a good, uh, that is necessary for something like this. So it starts with the humility of Miles and Courtney. Uh, I know uh, Gage preached a word a couple weeks ago. It's been fun seeing him step into more and more leadership. I'm excited about Mark and Courtney Lamb. They're close friends and what they're going to be steering. But just, I could go down the list. Uh, Just amazing. So let's pray. We're going to be in all of Acts chapter 14. I bring greetings from my pastor, Louie, and say War Eagle, because I've been grafted into the Auburn family, a lot of friends in this room and in this city. And let's, are you ready to receive the word? Ready to hear the word? 18 of y'all, again, (laughs) Purcell Farms is going nuts right then when I said, are you ready to hear the word? Lake Martin hadn't even sat down yet. They're just pumped. But is Auburn ready to hear the word? That didn't bless me. It's too late. It's too late. Hey, um, Lord, we come expectant. We come with, uh, I pray you would increase it, but we come with a hunger today, a word that's marked this church. We are hungry for you. Not hungry to attend something, not hungry to check something off the list, not hungry because it's almost time for brunch. We are hungry to have an encounter with the living God, to hear from your word. So I thank you, Jesus, that no one's here by accident. I thank you, Jesus, that your word is alive, living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. I thank you, Jesus, that you gift and empower men and women to exercise spiritual gifts to encourage your, blo- your body, your flock, God. And so I humbly ask that you would do a great work in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm a little nervous about uh, missing my time. So if you wouldn't, oh, there it is right there. Uh, what, how about that? Uh, my intro didn't even count against my time. God is at work. It's amazing. But Miles is like, the intro should have counted in his time. We got a 1030 gathering coming. Acts chapter 14. And this is the end of the missionary, the first missionary journey of Paul and Barnabas. So what started in Antioch, a church on fire that was sent out, a group of men and women fasting and praying, committing these guys to the Lord. 
And then now they're going to get the tail end, the last three cities. And then we're going to see they start making their way back to Antioch. That is a really critical piece of the talk today. They go back to the place that sent them out. This is a church that was a part of what God was doing. It wasn't just a few people, but it was a family that was together to be a part of the work of Jesus. They're, they weren't just attenders, they were participators. I recently participated in the CrossFit Games. You can laugh if you want, because you just sized me up. I saw you, what's your name? Judson, you were sizing me up when I said that because you're a little more fit than I am and you weren't in the CrossFit Games, but you looked at me and you're like, surely he did not participate in the CrossFit Games. True or not true? True, yes, true. <laughs> I participated in the CrossFit Games and I don't know why you're laughing because it's in Madison, Wisconsin, the first week of August and athletes gather from all over the world that you have to qualify to be able to be a part of this crazy athletic endeavor where we're lifting these crazy amounts of weight and doing like all these like rope climb. Any CrossFitters in the house like me? Uh, four of us. Okay, great. I hadn't quite made it to Auburn, Alabama. But um, I participated because I was in the arena. Does that count? No, you're like, God bless you. I don't remember your name, but no, that does not count. It was the most bizarre experience I've ever had. I showed up, I was there to support a friend. I got, long story short, I was in Chicago, realized I had a chance to make it, uh, ended up being cheaper to catch an Uber than to rent a, a rental car. That's just the state of the world right now. So Uber took me, uh, had an amazing uh, God moment with this Uber driver. He was stuck with me for an hour and a half and he, I, I knew what he did. He drove Uber, he asked what I did. I was like, I'm a pastor. I'm like, we got an hour and a half, bro, so I'm going for it but uh, that was special and then we, we he drops me off I'm running late I just like get into the games as quick as I can because I get to see one event and my mind was absolutely blown and everybody in the arena 6,000 strong was in workout gear only 40 men and women were actually working out and doing the games but everybody except me looked like they were ready to go do a workout and we were all like so invested. Everybody was eating acai bowls and bananas and like their thighs were the size of my head and it was like so insecure. But then I, I got swept up and I was looking at these men and women and even though they were so much stronger than me, so much more athletic than me, so much more committed to me, I was like online looking to sign up for a CrossFit gym. I was like, I was inspired by their example. And as we look at Acts chapter 14, this is what we see in Paul and Barnabas. We see great examples. We don't see perfect examples, but we see great examples that we can be inspired by, encouraged by, that we can model after. Paul even talks about, hey, uh, follow me as I follow Christ. We all need in this journey of uh, dying to ourselves, taking up our cross daily and walking in deep discipleship. Thank you, Miles, for that amazing message last week. As we want to live this journey, this lifestyle, then we need models. I say that to you to say, who are you letting watch you? Who are you letting uh, come close to so they can see your way of life, the way you treat your kids, the way you treat your spouse, the way you conduct your business? We all need models. And that's what Paul and Barnabas are. 
but they're following the model of Jesus. And so we're going to dig into this last journey. I'm going to... Um, I'm going to talk about a lesson or two that we can learn from all of the cities. We'll go verse 14 or chapter 14, verse one. I might end up reading the whole passage if that's okay with y'all. Um, I'm so pumped about this part. Who brought their Bible today? Come on. That is awesome. Uh, keep that spirit. If you don't have a Bible, the team can get you one. And I love that you come hungry for the word of God at Iconium, verse one, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But, this is in line with Gage's message a couple weeks ago, but the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So people are becoming believers Followers of the way, disciples of Jesus, there's success, there's a warm reception, there's soft hearts, people's eyes being open to the power of the grace of God through the gospel of Jesus. There's success, but at the same time, there's opposition. Isn't that the truth anywhere you go in life? It's not always all, all success. It's not always, hopefully, always hardship. There's a little bit of both, but I don't want you to miss verse three. This is it for Iconium. This is our lesson from that trip. So... Did you see that? So, is it on the screen? No, go back to the, the, the one. So, um, so Paul, so. Nobody is writing so down, but this is my first point. A another translation actually says, nevertheless, there was success, but there was also great opposition. So what did Paul and Barnabas do? Nevertheless, they stayed. It was challenging. It was difficult. It wasn't all fanfare, but they didn't bolt. They did not hit eject. They did not immediately run the other way. They stayed firm. By the grace of God, they stayed firm in Praised the Lord. That's point number one. They, Paul and Barnabas, um, they spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. These, these men, as our examples, they stayed a considerable time they spoke boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by, by what's that word? By enabling them to perform signs and wonders. Another translation says they stayed, spoke boldly for the Lord by relying on the Lord. When I was in high school, I mean, I was a huge basketball fan and I um, had spent my whole life trying to work to be good enough to be a starting point guard on the varsity team. I know Judson, you might not believe me in this moment either, but I was an athlete at one time. And I got to my middle of my junior year and I'd had a, bad, a couple bad games and I wasn't getting to play all that much. And then the, like, my, my biggest nightmare started setting in. 
So I don't know if you remember playing high school athletics, and if you're the guy that doesn't get put in the game when there's a big blowout, then everybody starts chanting your name for the guy on the end of the bench to get put in. You've been there? And I'm like, I'm that. I'm not. I'm in my pride. I was like, that's never gonna be me. That is never gonna be me. I will never allow my name to be chanted in people feeling pity for me. Put that kid in. I've worked way too hard, way too long. So actually, in one of my bigger regrets in like worldly decisions or whatever, I, I quit, and I missed out because it was difficult. But just because something's difficult doesn't mean it's not God's will. So what did Paul and Barnabas do in the face of opposition? They stayed. So just because you're in a a climate of people that don't respect your faith or don't want to listen to the word or make fun of you or put you down or try to get you to leave, it's not just say, well, it must be God's will. I got to leave. No, maybe God's will for you is to stay and stay a long time, a considerable amount of time. And when you stay, what did they do? They spoke boldly for the Lord. There's too many Christians, if I could exercise a prophetic gifting like Miles has, there's too many Christians that bolt too soon. Most of our time, yes, we can impact people in shorter moments of time. You never know how God's going to use a moment and it's going to change somebody's life. And I'm grateful to have been a part of some of those through our gatherings. But most of the impact comes from sustained character and sustained faith over long periods of time so people can see your lifestyle. They can see the good. They can see when things don't go your way, when how you respond when not everything is perfect. Paul and Barnabas stayed in Iconium. They stayed there for a long time. And what did they do? They didn't just stay, but they spoke boldly for the Lord. Where has God placed you? Where has God put you? Ask him by his power, for the ability to stand firm so that in that space of hardship and opportunity, you can stand firm and praise the Lord. Makes me think about 1 Corinthians 16. It's right, this is crazy, uh, just for you Auburn students out there. Uh, 1 Corinthians 16 comes after 1 Corinthians 15. I know y'all been talking about 1 Corinthians 15 out there. Actually, that was a really bad joke that I made that was directly tied to a lot of the people in the audience now that don't like me anymore. So um, I'll just go back to Judson. Judson, uh, 1 Corinthians 16 is right after 1 Corinthians 15. And that's this uh, passage of scripture that beautifully outlays the gospel that Miles and the team have been talking about. But then Paul talks about a decision, a way he's operating, a way he's like deciding by the Holy Spirit which way he should go. And there's so many people that don't know Jesus and there's such a big need. And he, this, this passage of scripture has changed my life. He said, um, I'll just, I'll read it. But he said, where is it again, Judson? Um, sorry about that. First Corinthians 16. Now I'm really nervous and my hands are shaking. Um, after I go through Macedonia, I'll come to you for I'll be going through Macedonia. Perhaps I will stay with you for a while or even spend the winter there so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. What a a great frame of mind. But it says here in verse eight, but I will stay on Ephesus until Pentecost. Why? Because a great door for effective work has been open to me. Anybody praying for some open doors? Anybody wanting some jobs when they graduate? Anybody wanting a new job? Anybody wanting, we want those open doors. He's like, I'm gonna stay because there's an open door 
And we're going to study all of our conjunctions today. And there are many who oppose me. Paul didn't run from the opposition. He embraced it. He didn't run from the darkness. He stood firm because it's in the darkness where the light shines the brightest. So use their example and stay. Okay, that was Iconium. Let's go to Lystra. In Lystra, they said a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at the man, saw that he had faith to be healed, and he called out, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. Is that crazy or not? I mean, these stories are true. They're hard to explain. And even in this one, that sentence, I I don't fully get it either. I'll let Miles talk about that next Sunday, possibly. But um, when the crowd, that was a joke, but you didn't laugh. I'll keep going. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in their language. Check this out. The gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas, they called Zeus the older one. Uh, most say that he was, was also because he's older and possibly more attractive. Maybe, maybe this is why Paul is single. I've never really thought about that. But Paul, they called Herm, Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, this is crazy, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to him. That's crazy. Yes, a man gets healed. That's crazy. And then what do people do? They're like, y'all must be gods. Let's worship you. And on one hand, it proves that I think all the way back to the beginning of time and us, you and I being created in the image of God, we've been made to be worshipers. So even these men and women in Lystra, they had been in their core made to be worshipers. They were just worshiping the wrong thing. They hadn't had the revelation yet. And and they were wanting to offer wreaths and get the garlands and the crown. They went to get a bull, which would be the biggest of all sacrifices. And you're like, this is so weird. We would never do that. But if we're honest, all of us, a message from Lystra, all of us are in danger of putting our hope in people and not in God. We put our hope in somebody that's standing on this stage. We put our hope in a a family member and the way that they can provide for us. We put our hope in somebody that we know from afar that we really respect or it's a celebrity, we try to be like them. We put our hope in somebody in our workplace that if they would just promote us, then we would be good. These men and women decided to worship Paul and Barnabas, and, and what was their reaction? There was a, their reaction was they, they tore their, their clothes. This is verse 14. When, when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they, they, they tore their clothes, rushed out into the crowd, and they were shouting, friends, friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human, just like you. When they tore their robes, it was the most extreme sign of despair and grief. Because Paul and Barnabas knew 
where the power came from. And they knew it wasn't them. And they, they knew that they're not the one that healed the man. And that's why I love a place like this, because the people that stand on these stages, yes, they're worthy of honor. We in our movement talk a lot because in like Romans, it says outdo one another in honor. So you honor up, you honor down, you honor around, you honor down. We want to honor people, not just the people of influence, but we want to have a culture of like, hey, thanks for your contribution. You did great. I see you. You matter. And it goes all the way, everywhere, up, down, and around. And it does say in scripture, so this, is, this passage isn't to say to reject biblical leadership. It says the ones who labor in the preaching and teaching of God's word are worthy of double honor because there is an influence. There is a gifting. Honor to people, but only glory goes to God. Only glory. Only credit. Because you know what I can do or we can do? We can maybe draw crowds. In giftings, we can design buildings. We can plan, we can entertain, we can hype up, but only God can raise the dead back to life. Only God can bring healing to the hardest places. Only God can grant salvation. That's why Paul and Barnabas say, we're just human. We're just examples, but there's a perfect example. His name is Jesus. We're just shepherds, but there is a great shepherd. And so our life, what we're here to do is not point to ourselves. Hey, everybody check me out. Do you see it? Do you hear that guy at ACC? Like, would you tweet about him? Would you talk about it? Like, that if I'm here, then please, if I'm here to do that, please go the other way because it's not trying to get other people to get our attention. Like, we want their attention. No, no, the attention goes to Jesus. He's the lead story. It's all about him. So he says, the, the lesson there is don't put our hope in God, put our hope in people. And the example we get from Paul and Barnabas is by God's power, stay low and praise the Lord. That's what they did, Right? said, we're too just human like you. We're bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet he's not left himself without a testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your heart with joy. Even these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing them. Why did Paul show up, Barnabas show up? His message in this moment was turn from the worthless things to the worthy one. Turn from the worthless things to the worthy one. Where are you putting your hope? Where are you putting your trust? It's not, just, it's not just about our behavior. It's, it's all about our worship. What is in the center of your life? What Birmingham, Huntsville, Lake Martin, Purcell Farms, Auburn, what Airport Road, what is in the center that your life revolves around? 
that you look to for power, that you look to for meaning, that you look to for purpose. Because if it's anything other than God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, it's worthless or not worthy of your worship. And what is the devil after? He's not just after your Friday nights. He's not just after your your daily decisions. He's after your worship. Jesus is in the desert. There's a few temptations. What's the last one? Bow down and worship me. Bow down and revolve around me. Bow down and tell me I'm the greatest. Bow down and adore me and tell me you will go where I want you to go. Do what I want you to do. Worship isn't just singing songs. Worship's a way of life. And just make sure your worship isn't worthless. And if it's anything less than Jesus Christ, Christ, it it is not worth your worship. Can I get an amen? Thank you. then some Jews, this, this is just life, isn't it? Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. So the other two cities they had just been, they won the crowd over. <laughs> I mean, this is funny and it's really sad, but one day people are praising you. If there's any leaders in the house, any bosses, any moms, you know, that you're like, one day you're your kid's favorite and you could do no wrong. And you're the best thing that's ever happened. I've been told I'm the best dad of all time. Moments later, anybody relate? I'm the worst dad ever because I did not let them have that second fruit roll up, you know, but the crowds, they, they can bail on you quickly in your family and at work and apparently in Lystra because just moments later they were having a hard time resisting the worship. Well, some opposition shows up. They won the crowd over and they stoned Paul. He went from being worshiped to being stoned. Good thing he wasn't living for the praise of people because it's fickle. It won't last nor it will fulfill. So if your method, like, like mission in life is just to get more followers and more attention and more people looking at you, then just heads up, it's probably not gonna last because the same crowd that tried to crown you is gonna be the same crowd that wants to stone you if they don't get their way. They dragged him out of the city after they stoned him thinking he was dead. I got a couple more uh, points, but this is where we're going to really land. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got back, he got up and he went back into the city. And then the next day he and Barnabas left for the third town, Derby. Derby barely gets mentioned. A lot of great things happen, but it's not really worth talking about. I would just like to call Derby Tuscaloosa and then we'll move on. But He got stoned, dragged out of the city so bad that people thought he was dead. And then what happened? But what happened before he got up? You got your Bibles. What what happened before he got up? Huh? Judson? 
They, the disciples, oh, will you come to the 1030, by the way? Will you come to the five? <laughs> really going to need you sitting right there. I'm going to be in the CrossFit games one day. You just watch out. <laughs> or you and I will go have a race in the parking lot right after this. Run to airport road and back. <laughs> the disciples gathered around him. Literally means they, 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 put a, they formed a circle around him. And I believe that's a great picture of what the church should be like. Because... Yes, it's the family of God that you, is revealed like Gage was talking about, but we're all gonna fall down either by our own choice or by an attack from the outside. We're all gonna get beat up. We're all gonna make mistakes. At some point, God willing not, but there's, there might be a moment in your story where you feel left for dead. You were a part of the mission. God was moving, doing great things through you. And then something didn't go right and you were left for dead. But then he had some disciples, some people he had led to the Lord in that city. And they formed a circle around him. And this wasn't based on Paul's decisions. This was based on him being bold for the Lord. It makes me think of a few different stories as my role of a pastor. But when we find out people have, uh, in a really hard time or have made some big mistakes, what we actually try to do is literally form a circle of accountability around them, a circle of restoration around them, a circle of encouragement around them. Because I know in and of myself, I couldn't do it on my own. But we need people that will actually gather around us to help bring us back up, to help pick us back up. And what did Paul do? He got up. By the grace of God, he got up and he praised the Lord. He went back into the city. What a great example this is. So if there's opposition your way, just remember, makes you feel better. I don't think, I, I don't think anybody in this room has been beaten for their faith. Yes, fired, maybe. Yes, mocked, maybe. Yes, marginalized, maybe. And that, I'm not diminishing that. I've gone through a lot. I mean, the last three years being a pastor has been so easy. And you always like make, it's just so easy to make people happy and meet everybody's expectation. I mean, it's just, it's just like the, the fan mail comes in all the time. Like, it's just like, please stop. Like, I mean, yes, I was naive. I think even at Passion, we were naive and going, man, this can be a whole lot easier than we, you know, it's going to be easy. We're Passion. Pastors Louie, and we got all these worship leaders, and you know, whatever, whatever, and this history, it's been difficult. We're not perfect, we don't get it all right. But it does get like, I want my life looked, to look more like these guys. And most of these guys that were speaking boldly for the Lord eventually got killed for the Lord. And so, who am I to be like, oh, this is so hard? I'm gonna look at my examples. Paul. Look at my examples, Barnabas. I'm gonna look at my example, the perfect example, Jesus. We'll get to that scripture in a minute, but by God's grace and power, he got up and he praised the Lord. Then they left for Tuscaloosa. 
They preached the gospel in Tuscaloosa and won a large number of disciples. So yes, we will pray for a move of God there. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must, here's the message. So they, they, they get to the end. They get to the end of the trip. They're kind of at a dead end. I don't know why they don't keep going forward, but instead of going to the next cities, they turn around and what do they want to do? They want to go back to the cities. They want to go back to the disciples. And when they go back to the disciples, they have a message. And that message is of encouragement and of strength. And it's really, we must go through hardships to enter the kingdom of God. We are going to have a tough road. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. And I love that phrase that Miles said. It's like, we want to give you a hug, but we want to step on your toes. This is what they're doing. It's like, hey, we're not trying to lie to you. We're not trying to sell you on something. Following Jesus is a lot more like uh, dying to the things of this world, putting off the things of this world, taking up your cross daily. Oh, that's painful. Oh, that hurts. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Oh, He's working on me, getting rid of some things, revealing some things, convicting me. This is painful. No longer live, but, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who died for me, gave his life for me. So they gave that message. They appointed elders. Leadership is crucial. Great leadership is crucial for them in each church. And with prayer and fasting, committed them to the Lord leaders that are committed to the Lord and whom they had put their trust. And then after going through a few more cities, we'll jump down from Italia, verse six. They sailed back to Antioch where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he and how he, and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there for a long time with the disciples. Trip was over. The mission was completed. They went back to a church on fire. Can you imagine that church service? So how was your trip? It's kind of like when you, you know, try to talk to my kids about their day. How's your day? It's good. Anything happen now? What was your favorite part? I have an eight and a six-year-old. Favorite part's always recess. I'm like, my man. Wish I still had recess. Anybody want to bring recess back? I'm sure actually companies in 2023 are trying to bring recess back. No, they, they, they came back together and they reported. They went back to the church on fire and they said, hey, we, we're, we're a part of this together, Judson. We, we're, 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 we're in this with you. Because you're the ones that saw the giftings in us. You're the ones that were willing to, to pray and fast for us. You, Antioch, were the ones that committed us, committed us to the Lord. 
So they, by God's power, they went back. They got up and praised the Lord, but then they went back. Go back and praise the Lord to the place where it all started and tell the stories of what God has done. There's stories after stories after stories after stories in this room and at every location that's gathered. And I just want to say as a friend of this church, let's keep believing for more. Let's not just think about how full the buildings are going to get and how nice the buildings are going to get. But let's believe for marriages to be restored, for uh, salvation to keep coming, for lifestyles of worship to just be transformation. And like, you're not the same person you used to be. You look a whole lot different. I like who you're becoming or who... You're looking more and more like Jesus. Don't you want to see more and more stories? They went back and reported not what they had done, but what Jesus had done. It was them helping us know that no matter what we role we play, we all get the chance, Judson, to participate in what God is doing. So your seat matters, your role matters, your gifting matters, your contribution matters. What the devil would like us to think is that it's all a few people and that we can just do our own thing. No, what God wants us to know is we're a body connected together, each members with their own gifts where we've been knitted together and we have a vested interest. I would imagine that they were on the edge of their seat. Oh, tell us, tell us, Paul, tell us about Lystra. Uh, tell us about Iconium. That guy got healed? No, <laughs> no way. And then I don't have a ton of time. It's my favorite part. So we're all getting down to this. And I, I'm just reading between the lines. But maybe Barnabas spoke up and he's like, yeah, I need to tell y'all a story about Paul. Because we were in Lystra. And they've been worshiping us and they had crowns on our head and we had to like give them back. And it was real awkward because the priest was there. And then we called the, their gods worthless when that guy was, you know, right there. But we spoke boldly for the Lord and the crowds turned and they stoned our brother Paul. And we thought he died. But then the disciples gathered around him and our man got back up. And they honored him. They didn't glorify him. He was willing to get back up. He was down and out, but he got back up. Left for dead, but he got back up. And this just absolutely wrecked me. Jumping ahead to Acts chapter 16. They decide, now there's a little split. You'll get into that in a little bit. But Paul goes back to to encourage the disciples. He wants to check in on how they're doing. He goes back, says he came to Derby, and then to Lystra where a disciple named Timothy lived whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him and Paul decided to take him on a journey. Flip over to a letter that we know called 2 Timothy. Verse 10 of chapter three. Now Paul is writing 
to ones of it, one of his sons of the faith. You, however, Timothy, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, my patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and, and in your hometown, Lystra? Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. And then he just keeps going. And this is where a verse that we all love that we can memorize a lot of all scriptures. God breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training. And it's uh, so, so each servant could be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You see what just happened there? Paul was left for dead. Surrounded by some disciples. Most likely, Timothy was in that circle. And if it wasn't him, it was most likely his mom or his grandmother, who Paul also honors in one of his letters. So by setting an example of faithfulness, of endurance, of commitment to the mission, a young man named Timothy either sees or hears about Paul's example. And then all of a sudden, this young, new believer rises up in leadership. Next time we hear about Timothy is he's writing books with Paul. He's traveling with Paul. He becomes the pastor at Ephesus, one of the most influential churches in all of the world. What's the point, Brad? You never know who's watching you. You never know who's going to see the way you conduct your life. You never know how people are going to watch the way you respond when things don't go your way. But in faith and in faithfulness, you're going to set an example that could touch generations. Because Ephesus might have been on the uh, might as well have been on the other side of the world. It was so far away. Yet Paul inspired a man, a young man named Timothy, and Timothy too became a great example, a great shepherd. And then we'll just wrap with this. Going back. Sorry, I put my Bible upside down. That got awkward. We're gonna take communion together at all locations in a moment. If you don't have communion, it, it, when we start singing, please raise your hand. The team will bring it to you. But we're gonna, we're gonna sing a song that really touched me last week. When we were leading it at church, I hadn't sung in a long time. And I'm gonna ask the band, this could be awkward, this could be a flop, but I'm gonna ask the band not to sing much of it because I think you'll know the song. But during this time of worship in a little bit, I want us to, I want us to be the worship leaders. I remember talking to Miles and Cheryl about this building and sorry to all the, locations that don't have a building right now, just go play golf at Purcell Farms afterwards and you'll be happy. 
but they designed this building specifically so there could be way more chance to hear people singing. And I think that's a good picture of, of that early church gathering when they went back to Antioch. And it wasn't just all about Paul and Barnabas. And the point of that meeting wasn't to tell them how great they did. It was to honor them and say thank you and we're proud of you and that matters. But it, it, it says that they reported all that God had done and how he had opened the door. And then that's Hebrews chapter 12 after there's all these great examples. In Hebrews 11, then the writer says, but fix your eyes, yes, to be thankful for some examples, but really fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of the faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. No, like he just didn't despise it. He embraced it. He didn't hit the eject button. He stayed a considerable amount of time and he was bold for the Lord. And so at that early church gathering, it was just Jesus at the center. Yes, he was using men and women, but it was Jesus at the center. And I just want to speak that over this next season of your life and this next season of this church. Keep Jesus at the center because he's the only one who's worthy. You can take communion and then we'll worship together.